This is this is this is the Bottom Bends podcast. Oh yeah! Hello and welcome back to the Bottom Bends. This is the second installment of our summer transfer window specials. Uh, we're back on the video today for you. Um, so I think we'll just get straight into it, boys. Um, Oren, this is very much your your specialist subject. This is what you wanted to, to talk about this week. So I think first off, we're going to focus on the Saudi league and the transfers and possible transfers that could be going there to that league. Uh, starting off, the biggest one in that Saudi league is Karim Benzema, left Real Madrid and has made his way over to Saudi. I think it's Al Idahad. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that. Yeah, I will. I hope I'm, hope I'm doing them justice there. <laughs> They have also signed N'Golo Kante from Chelsea. Uh, again, big coup for them as well. So opening it up, lads, then, just on those two transfers. I, I mean, they both make that team stronger. Two Frenchmen in there to that league. What do you think? Brilliant. Brilliant for the league. Look, we're seeing the influence that Cristiano Ronaldo has, to be honest. Um, we said it last week about all these players that could potentially be heading to Saudi Arabia. And every single day, we're seeing more and more names linked and potentially moving um, and, it, and it's looking like every name that's been linked so far with the exception of a couple of players and the likes of Romelu Lukaku and Hugh Minson most recently have said yes to go into uh, Saudi Arabia so um, look it's, it's obviously good for the league Cristiano Ronaldo uh, very well infamously said that he sees uh, Saudi Arabia the Saudi Arabian league as going to be one of the top five leagues in the world in the next five years and Look, if they keep going the way they're going, there is no reason why that may not happen. Look, I can't see a lot of European A's still going on to the Saudi Arabian League, to be honest, despite all these players going. But then again, um, Lionel Messi's away to the MLS. Does that mean that European, uh, more European football fans will watch MLS? It probably does, but uh, look, it, it's it's difficult to say in, the, in this situation. MLS, whenever they first kind of came on into the fold, Done the exact same thing. A load of marquee signings. Um, we've seen it with the Chinese league more recently. Um, a lot of big, big money signings. Um, and it looked like everybody was going to go there for major, major money. And it completely fell on its head. They brought in spending caps and wage caps. And will the same happen in Saudi Arabia? Who knows? Um, but to sign players like Karim Benzema and N'Golo Kante is a really, really statement. It's a statement of intent um, for, for these Saudi teams. and Even with the other names that are linked, it could be a very competitive league next year. Yeah, definitely, Warren. I, I, look, I, I, I agree with you. And I think statement of intent is probably the best way to, to, to word it. Um, but, but look, I'm going to say the same thing I said last week when we were chatting about Messi. I still feel like these players had quite a bit left to give in terms of European football and I still view them as strange mu- strange moves for those players especially Benzema um, like, you know Benza was, Benzema was okay maybe not last season but the season before was probably the best footballer in the world um, Ballon d'Or winner uh, Champions League winner scored to over 40 goals uh, for Real Madrid um, in, in that season. And I know he struggled with injury this season, but I mean, he was still one of the world's best. And in my opinion, still still had plenty to give. Uh, don't know about you, Connor. Don't know what you think about it. Like, No, definitely. Um, I've seen he's over 350 goals for Real Madrid. Uh, unbelievable player. Still playing 
you know, obviously didn't reach the heights of the previous year, but still a really, really top top player. And a lot of top clubs would have taken a Benzema, 100%. I know he is a bit older, I think. What is he, 35, 36? But still a top player. And Kante surprised me as well. Kante was a real surprise because I still think he is a top player. Obviously injury prone. Uh, there was talk that he was going to sign the new deal with Chelsea. Obviously didn't come to fruition, but... You know, it is it is becoming one of them things. It's going to be, is it going to be a top five league? I don't know because obviously you're going to have the star players, but what's going to be the quality of the other players? Because not every team's going to have Benzema and Kante. Um, they were showing games on Sky Sports just with Ronaldo. They were just showing his games, so I do think there will be a bit more media presence, and you're going to see probably more you know articles online about it and stuff because these players are playing there. But these are these are still good players and. You know, the, the thing about China was it was just, it seemed to be more like an awkward place to go. Um, the language barrier as well. This place, probably, you know, Saudi Arabia is probably, it probably will be a place where these players aren't going to go and struggle. Um, so, you know, you have that. And the MLS obviously got messy, but, you know, the Saudi League are getting some top, top players. You know, they're getting linked to players like, still like, as you were saying, like Kaku, um, they even seen Parasite's son, Matt Doherty, top talent. Um, but it is, it's just going to be about the different, you know, the standard of the other teams. I see the top four teams are owned by the public investment fund. So they're going to dominate. Um, it's just going to be about the other players, like this, their own Saudi Arabia players. They're going to have to put a lot of money into, obviously, you know, underage football and stuff like that. Because it is going to take a long time for that league to get up to the standards of the top five leagues. Because like even like the French league would have top players, English league. Just natural, you know, born players. Um, but this is this is how it starts. This is how you gain attraction. This they'll have a media, they'll have a massive media presence in the coming years. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent, completely agreed. And and look, lads, it's it's not just the likes of your Cantes and your Benzema's. Uh, Ruben Neves has agreed a fifty-five million pound move over to Saudi Arabia as well. Like this is a guy who is very much in the peak of his powers very much one of the best midfielders in the Premier League. And, you know, it's it's going to be a big miss for Wolves, obviously, but it's going to be a big miss for the Premier League as well, losing a player like Neves. And really, I know the financial incentive is massive, but again, it's just one of these transfers I can't really wrap my head around. Wasted. Absolute waste of a talent. He's only 26 years of age. He could have went anywhere from Wolves. Could have went anywhere. We're looking at a player... Who at 17 years of age captain Porto in the Champions League? He had a great spell at Porto as a young as a young footballer. Went to Wolves, proved himself as you said as one of the Premier League's elite in terms of midfielders. Could have went anywhere from there, and him going to Saudi Arabia at the, at the peak of his powers really at his age. As as you said, Connor, it doesn't make sense. Yes, financially, it's fantastic. Looking at it, a financial aspect and from a family aspect and stuff like that, absolutely phenomenal. But from a sporting and competitive aspect, it is absolutely ridiculous, in my opinion. I fully understand the likes of Karen Benzema and even N'Golo Kante going because they are winding down their careers. And the majority of people we are seeing linked to them have really passed their peak and are still playing European football, but have passed their peak realistically. But this one doesn't make sense to me. I understand from Wolves, 55 million with a year left in his contract. It's fantastic business for them. Absolutely fantastic. 
But for Ruben Neves, I think he's he's fully tarnished his name as as a reputable uh, Premier League proven midfielder. Yeah, I I I am in agreement with you, lad. I, it is just one of those transfers where, like, we always get one or two of them a season where you just sort of look at it and you go, "What? Like, where'd that come from?" And this is very much a where'd that come from? Like, this guy has been linked with Arsenal, Chelsea, United, uh, Barcelona. Like, he, he is linked with with the top clubs in Europe, and you know, at, at twenty five or twenty six years of age, he still has. A lot to accomplish within those leagues, so it is it, it is strange uh, to see him to see him move on. What, what what do you think about Neves then, Connor? Yeah, it was the biggest surprise to be honest. Um, obviously, a player still maybe he hasn't even reached his peak yet. Um, twenty six years of age. I feel like it was a good deal for Wolves because obviously, as Orn said, year left in the contract. Um, they get 40, 47 million pounds for him. That's a great deal. Barcelona, we're looking at him. Um. But obviously, they don't really have the financial power at the minute, and he didn't want to take a risk. Uh, but I still, I, he was talking about, oh, I want to play Champions League football now. I love Wolves, but I need to go play Champions League football. And then he goes to the Saudi League. It was a surprise, to be honest. Obviously, he's going to get life changing money, but it it does say a lot about his motivation. You know, did he want to be, does he want to be a top, top player? Does he want to be remembered as a top player? Um, even for Wolves last year, I thought he was their best player. Um, he was one of their top scorers from midfield, playing that like defensive role. Uh, set piece specialist, obviously, um, great all round player, and I, I thought you know a lot of top clubs around Europe would have been looking at him, even like as you said, Man United, Arsenal. He's been linked for years to these top top clubs, but you know that, that's just it was his decision, and you know as we've seen as you spoke about earlier about the China stuff as well. There was a few players that went to China where you're kind of like that was a surprise. Even Edo when he went to uh, Russia, it's kind of surprising, but that that's just a decision they have to make, and it might be one he. You know, financially, he'll do well, but he might regret it in the future. He might think, what could have been? What could I have done? You know, I could play Champions League football. Barcelona seem to be up and coming. Um, but it's his decision. I hope... Sorry, I hope... I hope sorry to interrupt. I hope that the international, on an international stage, he's not picked for Portugal. I, I think I think he probably still will, lad, to be honest. Well, Ronaldo's still picked, so I think he'll still be picked. How about this Cristiano Ronaldo and Ruben Neves, Dorman, to tell you the truth? He's been playing for Portugal for years and he, he has been a decent player for them, so I wouldn't... I understand that too, but there's 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 more... There's better... Not not better, perhaps, but there's more options as a midfield in midfield for Portugal than there is up top, and you don't replace Cristiano Ronaldo, to tell you the truth. Mm. Look, I think it is... It, it's... It is a tough one. It is a tough one. The only th- the only defense I would give Neves on that is that he has sort of been one of those integral players in their midfield um, o- over really the last couple of tournaments, and I do think it will be hard just to displace him. Look, I agree with you. It's it's a massive step down in his career in terms of quality level, but I, I think Neves is still go- a good enough player to to play for Portugal, regardless of. Oh, by all means. By all means, he is. But do you not think international managers should be looking at a competitive level? Like everybody slates um, Gareth Southgate for not even picking Tamori, Tamori in Serie A because he doesn't deem it as as good a level as the Premier League. So how the fuck can you choose Ruben Neves over somebody who's, you know, doing bets all over Europe? Yeah, look, I, I look, I, I think it is a, it's a good debate, um, and it's definitely one that. I think 
it could seriously be had you know the problem is though if more players do join Neves over in this league and the league obviously does become become stronger you know are we going to have to start looking at the Saudi Arabian league as, as a serious you know a serious sort of league now by all means I'm not saying top five league but you know I think it would be the same way Oren as if like let's say national teams pick like say Brazil, for example, like if Brazil take somebody to the World Cup that's from the Brazilian league, um, like is the Brazilian league really any better than than the Saudi Arabian league? Um, I don't know. No, like I, I I really do understand the points that you're making, and and I fully am expect I fully am expecting to see Ruben Neves play for Portugal, like at the next tournament or the next time Portugal have a match. Do you know what I mean? I'm fully expecting that. I just mean I think I think on an international perspective, I think picking from your own country is a bit different than picking from the Saudi Arabian League. And I do think that if more players do join the Saudi Arabian League, as you say, it will become a bigger league, naturally. Um and look, it could break into the top five leagues in the world, you never never know. But from the majority of players that I'm seeing linked, you're seeing players that are thirty plus who are winding down in their careers are looking to pay a day before they finish off. Ruben Neves, 26 in the peak of his powers. Prime midfielder, could have went to any team in Europe and probably slotted into their midfield 11. Or in, into their first 11 into their midfield. I just think, from a professional level, he's let himself down. Yeah, look, I, I, I really can see both sides of the argument, Um, to be honest. um, I, I think it is an interesting one, and it is just one that I think we're just really going to have to wait and see. And... and, and watch this story as it sort of plays out over the summer because by all means like Ruben Neves is not going to be the last player to move to, to Saudi Arabia in, in this window but moving it back then to England and, and back to the Premier League um, so Arsenal today launched a second bid um, for Dakin Rice 90 million pounds bid uh, it seems as though it's gonna gonna be rejected um, but Arsenal seem to be very very busy here early on in the market Dakin Rice and Kai Havertz look like they could be on their way to the the Emirates um, for next season. So I think we'll start with Declan Rice, lads. Um, obviously, there is interest from Manchester City there as well, but Arsenal are very much the front runners. They're the ones that are actively pushing to to try and get this deal sort of over the line and, and done quickly. So again, lads, just opening it up. What what, what do you think? Uh, Declan Rice, good fit for Arsenal? Yeah, I definitely think so. I think it's an upgrade on Partey. I see they're already kind of... I thought Partey, you know, last season for half the year was very, very good, but I just don't think he's good enough going forward and on the ball. You know, I think he got away with a lot in the start of the season and then as the season went on, he really disappointed. And I see there are already links of, of him leaving Arsenal, which I wouldn't be surprised with. Um, I, do, I actually do rate Declan Rice. I thought last season, I know we had a few arguments, that um, not arguments, but you mentioned a point, like he was underperforming. But as the season went on, he, he really stepped up for West Ham. And, you know, he's in a bad position. The team was going really poorly, but... As the captain as well, he has a leadership. Uh, I think he's a good all-round player. I think he's actually underrated going forward as well. Um, they may, he may not even play that DM role because if they get someone like Lavia who they're being linked to or Gassetto from Brighton, he might be able to slot in that Shaka role and get forward a bit more. But I definitely think Rice is a really, really good player. And like, you know, with Arsenal, they are trying to get their business done early and they want to do that, obviously, to get the players in. Um. You know, because we've seen with previous years, like teams wait the whole transfer window, try and get a good deal, and it doesn't happen. They overspend, 
and then the players take time to get used to the Premier League, you know, get used to the team they're playing in. Well, you're not going to have that with Rice either. You're going to get a Premier League player, an English player. Uh, and I, I just think, I think for Arsenal, it'd be a really, really good deal. Man City might come in and steal him, which wouldn't be surprising either. If you look like last year, Martinez went to United over Arsenal. We came in and took him. Uh, and they lost Rafinha to Chelsea. And they lost Mudrick even in January to Chelsea. So for Arsenal, I think it was kind of rejected because it was 75 plus 15 and the 15 were very, you know, wide of the mark kind of crazy add-ons. Like, I think he was going to have to achieve mad things. But for, for Arsenal, they need that position. And I think I think Rice will be perfect for Arsenal. Yeah, it, it's, it's definitely one of those ones where I agree with you, Connor. You know, I, I do think Party definitely towards the back end of that season underperformed. It was something that, that we highlighted um, with our end of season review, just how Arsenal didn't really have that cover to come in and, and just give those boys a rest. Um, and Declan Rice, I think, is one of those players, especially if they're going to lose Party and Jacka, like he's going to come into that midfield and start straight away. And and he's, I think he's going to, he would be a really, really good player, especially under that Arteta system. I think he's very moldable. He's still only 24 year, years of age. Um so I, I I'm definitely excited to see whether that deal gets over the line. But Oren coming to you next, like obviously, with when you hear that Man City's lurking in the background, uh, if if you were an Arsenal supporter, would that would that worry you at all? Yeah, hundred percent. I think if City, I think the moment City come in, it's it's done deal. To be honest, Declan Rice, not even just from a sporting level, like City, City's going to win. Maybe the league next year, maybe the Champions League again. They could do another trouble. You know what I mean? They have that potential. Um and, and Declan Rice knows that. And even from a personal standpoint, there's a load of England boys in that Man City team that Declan Rice is probably really friendly with as well. Um and I just think from a from a sporting perspective, it makes a lot more sense for any player to go to Manchester City than it does for them to go to Arsenal. Especially a player of Declan Rice's calibre who's gonna walk into either midfield. He starts for Man City, he starts for Arsenal. Do you know what I mean? Um, it's different if it was the likes of... Like, if this was Calvin Phillips that we were talking about, I know obviously he has went to Man City. But if he was linked with Arsenal or linked with Man City, he was going to be guaranteed game time at Arsenal, not necessarily guaranteed game time at Man City. From a sporting level, it would make more sense. Or rather, from a professional level, it would make more sense for him to go to Arsenal. But obviously, he went to City for for achievements. But, um, yeah, it may, like, look... I think this is why Arsenal are doing their business early. Um, we've seen it with Kai Havertz as well. There's Real Madrid were interested. They've pulled out. Bayern Munich's their only competitor at the minute, but it looks like he will go to Arsenal, and I think he will go to Arsenal. Um, Romeo Lavia, as as Connor said, looks like he's could be going to Arsenal. Yuri and Timber is in in talks with Arsenal as well. You know, there's a real statement of intent from from uh, Michael Arteta. I was about to say Arsenal winger from Michael Arteta. Um, that I don't know what the fuck. Um, going into next season, just a few years too late for that one. <laughs> I know, Jesus, my head was going mad there. Um, yeah, but it's a real statement of intent after the season that they did have. It looks like he's clearly pushing to close that gap fully on Manchester City and compete for the league. However, it could really, really backfire. It could really backfire if these players flop. If Arsenal go back into their old ways and are competing for sixth and seventh next season, or Ted is gone, and that that will be off the back of a heavy, heavy summer uh, spending. Um, 
But look, just to finish off in Declan Rice, if he goes to Arsenal, he's going to do fantastic. If he goes to Manchester City, he's going to do fantastic. Well, look, I, I agree. I think Rice definitely, look, I, no matter what side he goes to, I, I think he has the qualities and the capabilities to play for play for either and play in either system, to be honest. Um, just touching on Havertz then, um, look, £65 million, pound, it looks like that deal is going to get done and it looks like it's going to be wrapped up this week as well. Personal terms all agreed. So it, it, the deal has got the green light. Um, look, this is a player we have we have criticised heavily throughout the season, lads. This is a player that all three of us have thought is is not quite up to scratch. And really, if we're, if we're being brutally honest about it, we've all sort of thought that he's not Premier League quality. Um, so really, I'll come to you first, Connor. It is... It, is this a strange signing? I was going to say, this is, this kind of came out of nowhere. You know, I heard about the links with Real Madrid and I was kind of thinking, why would they go for Havertz? I went for Hosselu instead. Um, but for me, you know, Havertz obviously is a young player. He's only 24. Arteta obviously coming off a great season. I'm, I know a few Arsenal fans themselves and they're even like, they're thinking, why is this happening? But they're thinking, oh, we'll back Arteta because... He's obviously improved so many young players, but I was even looking at the stats for um, Havertz and his goals to game ratio was just brutal. And even the year that they won the Champions League, obviously he scored the winner. That was his only goal in the Champions League in 12 games. So are they going to play him in striker? You know, that's where they need. They need a striker. I, I don't know if they're going to play him striker. Are they going to play him as a cam? Uh, where like Odegaard has that position, even have Smith Rowe off the bench. They're obviously trying to strengthen their squad. They're trying the city approach where you're going to have two players in every position that are high caliber. And you're seeing that working with City as the season goes on. You could tell last year, as we kept saying, if Arsenal's going to lose this league, it's not even going to come down to pressure. It's just going to come down to the, the squad depth. And they didn't have that. They were bringing in like Jorginho at the end. They were, they were getting desperate. Um, for me, it's just it's a crazy one. I think I would if I was an Arsenal fan, I'd want a more out-and-out striker than Havertz. Um, it's just it, we've downplayed him for months. And I just don't see a real... Like obviously his talent, but even his finishing is awful at times. His positioning, he's clumsy on the ball. I just don't see a top top player there. Yeah, I agreed. I mean, he only scored ten goals this season. Um, he, he's not your your natural goal getter. I, I don't think I don't think he comes in and plays as a striker. I don't think he's better than Jesus. Um, it, it's it's gonna be strange to see where they play him. And again, I don't think he's. I don't even think. He's creative enough to play as a 10. And I don't think he could play back up to Odegaard. I, I don't really know what the figuring is behind this. I, d- I don't know about you, Oren. What, what, what do you think about Havertz? Look, as you say, we've we've criticised him all season. I'm not going to stand here now or sit here now and say, I think it's going to be a brilliant signing, because I don't. Um, but I am going to contradict myself a little bit. I don't think he's going to fail. Um, I think £65 million is a huge, huge fee. And I think, as you both said, don't really understand the thinking behind it because they need a striker, an out-and-out striker. And for £65, £70 million, you could get a top-class striker. Like, Goncalo Ramos is talking about going for £70 million. I think that's his release clause at Benfica. And if it's an out-and-out forward that they're looking, why wouldn't you go for him? But obviously, Arteta, you know, as, as you said, Dorman, there's Arsenal. All those Arsenal fans are going to trust him because of the way he's nurtured their talent so far. Um, um, it it depends really where they play him, as you have said. Um, I did see whenever it was first announced that 
Arsenal were in for him. Uh, David Ornstein, really, really good journalist, as we all know, really reliable. He said that um, Arteta sees him as a perfect... Um, sorry, what is the word? Like, partner to Jesus. Like, playing... Uh, like almost like a provider, um. So I, I think Ortega sees him playing as a two up top, um, which will be interesting with obviously the the wingers on either side and Odegaard behind, which could be very interesting if they don't get Declan Rice, who obviously is able to pay, play as a defensive midfielder, but also get up the field and whatever. So by the sounds of things, Ortega is going to be taking a very very attacking approach to the Premier League next season. Um, but sixty five million pound, as I said, when you look at the potential transfers of two players who we have criticised all season in Mason Mount and Kay Havertz potentially going for a combined 125, 130 million pounds. It's crazy the football market that we're in. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And just moving it on from Arsenal then, lads, uh, I think we may as well go to City. Uh, confirmed today that uh, Man City and Jay Cancelo will part ways with one another. There's no reconciliation between manager and player and Arguably, one of the best fullbacks in world football is going to be allowed to to move on this summer. So, just a simple question to both these lads, um, Oren, starting with you, where's the best place for Cancelo to end up at? It's tough. Uh, it, it, it's it's not it's not as easy as saying one club with Cancelo, because in January, whenever we first heard about him moving to Bayern Munich, we were like, "What has happened?" Um, do you know this is one of the best uh, in his position in the world, but clearly. Obviously, there was problems at Bayern Munich as well. Clearly, there is problems with his attitude um, and, and, his, and his approach to, to training and matches and stuff. So, there obviously is a problem that needs fixed there. Personally, bringing it back to Arsenal, I think he's going to Arsenal. Um, and I think he would do well there. Um, especially when they're relying on Ben White and right back. Um, this is a player who can play right back and left back. So, he's, he, he's unless he's injured, he's guaranteed to start. I think he could start ability ways for every team in the in, in the world to be honest on on ability um he could go back to Juventus you know you never know it's 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 difficult but I see him going to Arsenal personally um it's just the thinking behind it is there's obviously something in the background everybody needs to be thinking there's obviously something in the background especially if Man City are also willing to let Kyle Walker leave so do you know what I mean so it, it's not like on ability ways, oh, Kyle Walker's leaving because he's only got a year left. Um, so Cancelo can stay or whatever. There's clearly something with Jay Cancelo or just between Jay Cancelo and Pep Guardiola that's um, unfixable at the minute. So yeah, I see him going to Arsenal. Yeah, look, I I think Arsenal's definitely one of those, um, definitely one of those destinations that he could end up. Um, I could definitely still see him staying in the Premier League a hundred percent. Um. But then there are a few clubs around Europe that are struggling for fullbacks. And I think, you know, it was, I think the thing that has surprised me the most is that with how poor Alfonso Davies has been this season at Bayern, that he didn't really get more of an opportunity over there because he is a great player. We all know this. He's an, he's an established international um, and, and he has proven. I mean, look, we, we were literally only saying uh, uh, not not the season just passed, but the season previous, like he, he was the best fullback in the world. So it's not as if clubs wouldn't be wouldn't be lining up to try and to try and take him. So it's definitely going to be an interesting one, Connor. What, what about yourself then? Is is there anywhere or one destination in particular that you could see Cancelo ending up at then? I was going to go for Arsenal as well, just because the Ortega link as well as um, 
obviously them needing a right back. Uh, you know, it's, it is going to be weird to see what kind of you know formation Ortada is going to play next season. Uh, but I think an attacking right back was another thing that Arsenal were missing. Obviously, Ben White's a good player, good defensively, but wasn't good enough going forward. Didn't give them an, an option. Um, and I think Ancelo, as you said, you know, last year last season but the season before he was the best fullback in the Premier League like hands down he could play he's probably the, at one stage he was the best left back and right back he played either position um, top player even for Portugal performs all the time maybe defensively at stages can be a liability but you're going to get that with a fullback and as you said Alfonso Davis was really pursing he's getting linked away from Bayern Munich as well so it was strange to see Cancelo really struggle to get in that team with both managers Um you know, with Nagelsmann and Tuchel. But I, I just think Arsenal is the right choice, you know. Uh, like, thinking of it, like, obviously there's going to be teams in Europe, but, you know, for Arsenal, they need that position. And the Arte- Arteta link as well, I just I just think it'd be for- perfect, to be honest. Yeah, it, look, it's definitely going to be one that, that we're going to need to keep our eyes on over the next couple of weeks because, like I said, uh, just for the viewers at home, there is definitely no reconciliation here. City will will not be keeping Cancelo on and Cancelo will, will not be at Manchester City next season. Um, it depends on the fee as well, though, lads. Like, the buyout clause for Bayern Munich was €70 million. Euros. Like, that's a lot of money. Don't get me wrong, he's worth it, but if they're so desperate to sell him, we could genuinely see Cancelo go for forty million. Oh, 100 percent, hundred percent, lad. I, I, I do think that's the way that transfer is going to go. There's, there's no way City will get seventy million for him. And by all means, I'm not saying that they won't get seventy million because of his ability. I just think if the player's that desperate to leave and the club are that desperate to see the player go, there, there's, there's not a chance that that they can charge seventy million. It, it, it would be outrageous. But look, like I said. Just going to be one of those that we will be covering here on the podcast. So stay tuned to hear more about Jay Cancelo. Um, moving on then, lads, to Chelsea. Um, obviously, awful season last season. Uh, Mason Mount being linked to Manchester United. Um, we'll not go into that right now. But uh, Christopher Nkunku, that deal was confirmed and announced today. £65 million, pounds, uh, or sorry, €65 million. Euros, uh, five-year contract with the option of another year and they will be activating the release clause of Nicholas Jackson of Villarreal for 35 million euros. Looking at both players here, lads, uh, both made uh, 25 appearances in their respective leagues this season. Uh, and Konku, 16 goals and uh, 14 assists. Absolutely incredible numbers. And Nicholas Jackson then scoring 12 goals and four assists. So really what you're looking at here is a real refresh to, to Chelsea's forward line. So, Oren, coming to you first then, I, I, I would say these are two good signings. Would you be in agreement with me? 100%, yeah, 100%. But it's, it's one of them things with Chelsea as well. Like, I thought Madrick was going to be a good signing. I thought Jay Felix, well, Jay Felix was actually a good signing. Um, they do sign that many players that a lot of players go under the radar. Um, so I hope from for a personal level on both players that they, they succeed. But it's just, it's difficult, especially the Nkunku transfer. I would be very, very interested to understand Nkunku's thinking now because um, obviously that transfer was agreed in December. Um, and although, yes, back in December, we, we did say that Chelsea wouldn't get European football and stuff. That's absolutely fine. 
but it wasn't out of the realms of possibility. But now with no European football and stuff, I'd be interested to understand if Nkunku is disappointed that he's not going to be playing European football or if he regrets maybe signing for Chelsea and stuff. But on ability level, look, I'm not going to sit here and say I know a lot about Nicholas Jackson. It was actually you, Richie, who told me about Nicholas Jackson last year playing for Villarreal. I said, who is this fella? And you were like, yeah, he's balling this year. Um, 35 million euro release clause. To me, that's a no-risk signing um, for Chelsea because Chelsea are going to be be making huge money transfers for the next foreseeable future. Do you know what I mean? So this is going to go down as one of their cheap signings despite it being 35 million euro. So he can't fail in my eyes. Um, And to be honest, Christopher Nkunku, 65 million euros is not a lot for a player that we've seen absolutely dominate European football. Um, for the last three, four years at RB Leipzig, not just in the the Bundesliga where he was top goal scorer last year and up in the numbers in the last few years, but in the Champions League he's been absolutely ridiculous as well for RB Leipzig and he's only going to improve. I do think this year out of Europe will actually improve him as a player um, because it'll give him more time to focus on adapting to the Premier League. So I think it'll be really, really good for him um, and in terms of that anyway. Um, but in terms of competing, don't think Chelsea will be anywhere near the Premier League next year. I don't think they'll be. I think they'll struggle to be competing for top four. I do think they'll get European football again next year, um, and I do genuinely think that Nkunku and Jackson will play a major part in that. It just really, really does depend on what kind of role, especially Jackson's going to get, because their their wage bill is humongous do you know what i mean so where does he fit in there i think we can all agree that Nkunku slots straight into the first 11 but just i'd be i'd be wary of how much game time jackson gets unless they can sell loads and loads of players Mm -hmm. well look the only thing i would say about jackson is you know uh chelsea have been crying out for for a proper striker and and you know this is this is a proper striker that has become available on the market for you know, 35 million euro nowadays is is really, really cheap. Um, uh, and this is a guy that only really broke out sort of in, in the second half of the season and got, got his 12 goals in the second half of the season. So I, I think there's definitely potential there. Connor, really just, you know, looking at these two two transfers as an overview, look, obviously Chelsea are still going to need to do more business in the summer, but they also need to get rid of players too. So really, would you say these these two first two signings are, are a sign of maybe things to come for Chelsea? Yeah, definitely. Um, as we said last season, the struggle to score goals. Um, and Kunku, I actually think, is an upgrade over Havertz. I know he's coming from the same league in the Bundesliga, but as Oren was saying, even in the Champions League, he was he was very, very good. Uh, it would be actually a good question. Like, Obviously, he signed the deal back in December. Would he have signed for them if he knew there was no Champions League football? Because obviously, Orbe got Champions League football and Chelsea don't. But... Yeah, they needed a stri- they needed goals, and as you said with this other guy, Jackson, um, twelve goals in only like twenty six games or something, and you said most of the goals were in the second half of the season. So he is he is a good player. La Liga is obviously a top five league. Um, it, it is gonna it, it's gonna be the offloading as well. I see I see that a lot of the players that are getting offloaded are going to the Saudi league, and there is a bit of talk that the public investment fund is linked to you know, the Chelsea majority shareholder and they're getting offloading players and, you know, huge wages, which is going to help because, as we keep saying, how is financial fair play? How they keep getting away with it? But 
for Chelsea, this is all they can do. They can get players in. They need strikers in. They're going to get rid of Lukaku, get money for him. They're getting rid of Kante. They're getting rid of uh, Mendy's leaving. Um, Kuyabali's leaving as well. So it is going to be it's going to be a strange season next year. It is going to be a good question. I don't know what you boys think, but do you think top four is what their aim is going to be next year? I know no Champions League football will help them because obviously they'll not be as tired and they'll have got a big squad under Potch. I think top four for Chelsea will 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 always be their aim. Um, whether they achieve it or not is is another question. But um, I, I think for for a club the size of Chelsea and especially you know the, the recent success success that Chelsea have had over recent years, I think Champions League qualification is always going to be pri- a priority. You know, the, it would be a similar sort of situation to Man United. You know, when United drop out of the Champions League one year, you know they're almost expected to go come right back at it the next year. So I I do think the Champions League is is priority for Chelsea. But like I said, whether they actually go on and achieve it or not, I, I'm not quite sure. Don't don't know about you, Warren. No, I, I fully agree. I think Champions League qualification is a minimum requirement at, at Chelsea Football Club. And I think that's why we see such a turnover in, in managers. Um, because if they don't achieve that, you know, you get the boot. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's a minimum requirement. And I fully agree, whether they get it or not. Personally, can't see it next season. Um, but yeah, it, Champions League football, it has to be where they're aiming at. Because if they're not, what are they aiming for? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely, that Definitely. Well, look, moving it on then from Chelsea. Um, going back to Brighton, I know we spoke a little bit about them last week, but they have managed to get another in through the door. Confirmed, signed, sealed, and that is James Milner. Again, this is another player that we maybe didn't have uh, the nicest of things to say last season about him. Uh, no doubt about it, you know, at the age he is, to, to, to still be to still be playing and, and even playing at as high a level as Brighton is is to be commended. But what, what did you make of this, lads? Was this really just, you know, an experience signing, you know, just try and get another body in through the door? Or in coming to you first, what, what, what did you make of Milner to Brighton? Yeah, I think it's exactly what you just said, an experience signing. Um, it's a fellow who's been in the Premier League for, the guts of 25 years he's 37 years of age um well no obviously not that'd be, be 12 then in the, in the premier league he's, he's been in the premier league for like like 20 years um but do you know what i mean like in terms of experience premier league experience there's nobody better than james milner you would have to say to be honest in, in terms of actually still playing um and i think for a team like brighton i think it's crazy how he's got to brighton to be honest i, I thought at this stage he might have went to Leeds down in the championship back to his hometown club or whatever but um yeah he's went to Brighton who have got European football um I think we will see a lot of people saying for Brighton this summer because as you say they need bodies in the door when they're they will really like there's a huge huge difference in playing your domestic games in terms of your FA Cup Carabao Cup and Premier League and then jumping to having even more games in a European competition. Like, that's going to be a huge, huge jump for for the players, which they will need to be ready for. There's going to be a lot more injuries at Brighton, so they need more players. And as you say, James Miller, he's done it, he's done it all. Do you know what I mean? He's won everything there is to win in terms in terms of English football. Um, so, coming into Brighton on a free deal, it was a no-brainer for them, really. Um, and he will get games. He's, he's a versatile player even at his age we've seen him last season even playing right back left back cdm center mid um fucking goalkeeper probably you know he's that type of player um so yeah it's only going to be a good deal for brighton and on a one-year contract you know it's a no-brainer like it's no risk 
Yeah, absolutely. And I see, um, I can't remember what it is exactly, but I think he's like 30, maybe 30 games away or like 37 games away or something from being the Premier League's all-time um, top appearance maker. So I'm sure maybe in his own career, that's maybe something that he'd look at and, and think, you know, that would be nice to achieve. Um, now, wh- wh- whether he has another 37 or 38 games in him is, is another question. But yeah, look, I, I would agree with you, Warren. I, I do think this is very much a sign-in that's there to get another body in through the door. I still think Brighton are going to recruit quite heavily this summer. I think they are waiting for uh, Colwell still to come in. And, um, you know, when, when Caicedo eventually leaves, they, they will have a wee bit more money to go out and spend as well. I'm seeing them linked to a lot of decent goalkeepers at the minute too. So I do think there's some, still some uh, spending to be done at Brighton. But Connor, then, look, just, just on Milner, but, but before we move on from Brighton, you know, really experience being added to this Brighton squad and European experience, which is something that, that m- many of the Brighton squad don't actually have. So in your opinion then, what, what, what's your take on this transfer? I think it's a really, really good signing. Um, we've been talking about Brighton all year. They're a very young team as well. So that experience will definitely uh, help a player, as you said, like consistently getting over like 30 Premier League appearances. I've seen even last year, he had 31 Premier League appearances. Liverpool, a lot of them off the bench, obviously, but... He even can be a good bench player, obviously, if there's injuries. Um, fitness is no question. You always hear these stories about he was winning every fitness race at the start of the year. Um, and the club loved him and spoke so highly of them. Um, I was surprised. I actually thought Liverpool might have kept him on for another year. Maybe they tried to, I don't know. But a really top professional and a leader and someone, you know, Brighton need, as we've seen the kept Lalana as well about. Another older player with that experience. And Deserby, even when he was injured, he said, I want to keep him. Might not play all the games, but we need him in the dressing room, which is a bit of an underrated, you know, thing in football. The dressing room, keeping that positivity, because you seen what Chelsea last year went once that went, it's a disaster. Even United, you know, two seasons ago, that you need that positivity, you need the experience, you need leaders, and that's what Brighton are trying to infiltrate into their team. And I think I think it's a big signing, and it shows where Brighton are because I'm sure other. Clubs were looking at them, um, but Brighton are an up-and-coming team and they have an exciting future. Yeah, definitely. Definitely agreed. And then going to do a wee bit of a, a European and, and world roundup here as well, lads. So I just have two transfers left to talk about. The first one being Kim Min Jae. Now, this was obviously a, a big target for, for Manchester United in this window to to get a centre-back the, the quality level of Kim Min Jae. But looks like United are going to be beat out to this signing by Bayern Munich. Um, personal terms agreed. And they've already told the player that uh, they will... Uh, be activating that release clause in July and uh, I have it on good authority um, from Isaac of United Cloud who knows somebody close to the deal uh, who is saying that he was happy to accept Man United because that was the biggest financial packet on the table at the time but Bayern Munich have since offered a bigger financial incentive and therefore he will basically be going where the money is so coming to you first then Orn is this leaving United with egg on their face or is this just a circumstance of maybe United looking to put their money into other positions before looking at a centre-back? It could be, there's an element of both Connor in my opinion, I think I think we're going to struggle to do business while we are still in this ownership saga, I think we're going to see very very few signings until this at least gets sorted on paper 
maybe not necessarily we might see new owners come in before the transfer window closes but when we'll need to be seeing new owners in the next couple of weeks if, if we're to do any business that's just my opinion um i think yes to an extent this is this was probably well it was it was well reported that kim and jay was eric ten hag's priority signing for for center back um and at the release clause of of 49 or 52 million pounds or whatever it was um you know he is 28 or 27 or 28 like he's not exactly young do you know what i mean like it was going to be big money um especially after really only one quality season in in a top european league he was a fenerbahce until last year do you know what i mean um so it could turn out to be a little bit of a risky signing for Bayern Munich. It could have turned out to be a risky signing for Manchester United. My, my opinions would have been the same if he had a sign for us. I do think personally that we have missed out on a top quality centre-back. Um, especially in a market where so few centre-backs would be available um, in around that price range. Um, but there is other options for Manchester United. Of course, we've been linked with um, Desirari of, of Monaco and Tadebo of OGC Nice and even Yuri and Timber. There's, there's slight... Um, Slight links coming in there again, and you never know. We could we could hijack an Arsenal deal for an AX centre back once again this summer, like we did last summer. Um, but for Bayern Munich, I think they're getting a top quality centre back. I think personally, this could be a signing that pushes them back to the Champions League because this this has been an area where we seen Delic come in last year, and he was probably Bayern Munich's best player. Uh, they're they're fans absolutely ramped and raved about him all season um so a partnership of kim minje and marius delict could be a champions league winning partnership and to me there's going to be no match for for Borussia dortmund next year they're like i know it came down to the final day this year but with that sort of defense if you can keep them fit there's not a chance for them in my opinion yeah look it's definitely definitely a very strong back too no doubt about it both quick both physical uh, both extremely comfortable on the ball as well. So, look, I, I don't think that's completely out of the realms of possibility, to be honest, Oren. Um, Connor, just really, you know, uh, as Oren said, there are mentioned a couple of targets as well that United have maybe previously been linked at, or been linked with and are still being linked with. So, you know, you look at the likes of Kim Min-Jae, Yuri and Timber, they look to be on the move to other clubs. So, again, similar sort of question to you. Is, is, is this another case of United's mismanagement and maybe lack of lack of investment in the transfer window yeah definitely I, I, it's very frustrating i think he could become a top top center back um you know united's on the same last year they overpaid let's be honest obviously anthony was not good last he was okay last year but we overpaid for him even for martinez who is a top player we overpaid for him our transfer you know transfers over the last number of years we have overpaid for players with panic signed near the end of summers you know again is it going to come down to that it's not selling like we need to sell the club because they're not going to put any money in um obviously Bayern are offering like a better financial package but let's be honest United could definitely match that uh and I feel I feel sorry for Ten Hag because yet again he's not getting his first choice players he won a timber last year obviously that was kind of because the timber backing out uh but there's just a frustration there um i think this one could be a huge miss i think it could be a top player and i know you we're all united fans and you you want to stay positive but it seems to be the same old same old every summer 
You know, we're waiting, we're panicking then at the end of summers and we're not giving these players enough time to, you know, get used to Ten Hag's tactics. It's taken months and months and months for these players to perform at the, the top level. You're seeing with Arsenal, you're seeing with City, you're seeing with Liverpool. They're going in early, they're getting their signings in early. United yet again lacking behind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agreed, agreed. And finally then, lads, just to just to wrap up this episode, one last transfer to talk about today. Personal terms agreed um, for the free agent, Sergio Busquets, who, who left Barcelona, um, going to enter Miami, joining Lionel Messi, who we talked at length about last week. Um, Oren, really, uh, like you said last week, you know, you, you, you poised the question, does Messi attract um, other players to, to come to MLS? And there he's, he's being joined by his former teammate, Sergio Busquets. Looks like Jordi Alba's on the way as well. So, look, Oren, well, coming to you first, Busquets, Inter Miami, good fit? Yeah, 100%. Um, I've said it once, I'll say it again. Uh, Sergio Busquets, if you watch Sergio Busquets, you see the whole game. But if you watch the whole game, you won't see Sergio Busquets. That's the type of player he is. Um, he'll do the dog work for you. He's probably one of the best home midfielders ever. Um, and I think as he winds down his career, the MLS would be a good fit for him. A bit of a slower league. Um, and, you know, he, he never really had the legs, but he, he always knew the, his, his positioning was always what was best about Sergio Busquets um, and how he provided for those two fantastic midfielders in front of him, Xavi and Iniesta, for the, the most part of his career. Um, but yeah, as I say, look, MLS isn't going to be a big problem for him. Um, I'm going to stick with what I said last week about Lionel Messi. I don't think the signings of Sergio Busquets and Jordi Alba immediately just gives into Miami the MLS Cup. But who knows? Who knows? Um, it's a no-brainer on a free deal. Jordi Alba experienced no-brainer on a free on a free deal. Um, getting them three back together is is fantastic, and um, I think that is all of their um, DPs. Then I think you only get three DPs in, in the MLS. Um, so I don't think we'll see any more signings from from the European market anyway. Um, going to enter Miami. Um, but we could definitely see more players go into the MLS, like we're seeing them go to the Saudi League, as we said about Cristiano Ronaldo. He has that draw, um, bringing players into the Saudi League, and Lionel Messi will do the exact same in the MLS. But for Sergio Busquets and Jordi Alba, yeah, good signings. Yeah, definitely, lad, definitely. And look, Connor, really, just to touch on, on something that Oren said there, look, you know, the 3DP rule that is in the MLS um Obviously, we're seeing a lot of a lot of players going to Saudi Arabia now, and there there isn't um, that restriction on the Saudi Arabian League. So, really, just a just interested to get your opinion on this. Obviously, American sports don't really like the term "super team," and and that's why we have the likes of salary caps, um, uh, max contract, super max contracts, you know, all that kind of thing uh, within American sports. So. Could you see Saudi Arabia introducing something like that? Or do you think that they're a bit different to America? Do you think they're happy enough to, to have these sort of super teams? Uh, well, as I said earlier, the the investment fund bought the four best teams. They're going to pump all their money into the four best teams. I can't see them doing something like that, to be honest. I know it used to happen in England as well. And they kind of went away from that. But I think it is a good way to be for the MLS because it, it does bring through more talent you know, these younger players, I think they, they still draft in the MLS and stuff like that. It brings these young players and it improves the league. 
you know, this is the thing about the Saudi League that I would question is is just like obviously you're getting the top players like Benzema and all Kante and all. It's just the players around them. That's the thing I would question because the the standard difference could be huge, especially with the lower teams. Um, but you know, I think something like that could be useful for the Saudi League if they're really going to improve their youth and you know have sustainability for the future. Because I feel like China didn't have that either. They just they were just letting anybody sign anybody and then it ended in disaster. So I do like the MLS structure doing that because it gives young players a chance and it also brings, you know, as you said, no super teams. It brings fairness. Uh, and that that's more what you want. You want a competitive league. And I, I agree with the one. I don't think just getting messy means you're going to win the league. While Benzema's went to the team that won the league. So you'd be thinking, who's going to stop them? Yeah, definitely, lad, definitely. And Owen, yeah, again, same question to you. What do you think about it? Do you do you agree with the way that the MLS do it? Yeah, I agree with the way they do it. it, it like, it gives their own talent um, a platform to build upon. If if the MLS continued in the way that it kind of first started when the likes of Beckham and stuff went to the league, um, we wouldn't see... Well, we wouldn't see such a strong American national team. I don't know if you would agree with me in that, but I think the American national team is, like the men's team, is getting really, really strong. We're seeing a lot more of them players playing regularly in Europe's top five leagues. Um, And I think the likes of the Christian Pulisic, the LeBron James of soccer transfer to Chelsea all those years ago, um, I don't think we would have seen that if there wasn't the likes of this 3DP rule um, because you mightn't have seen him get playing. Alfonso Davies, another one who came from the MLS, you know, it was a whimsical transfer of him going to Bayern Munich and, and it, it paid off. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it makes sense for that league. Um, and... I agree with Connor. Can't see it coming into the Saudi Arabian League. I think they're going to pump as much money in as possible to try and get this on paper, at least as a top five league, um, as a competitive league. But um, yeah, for the, I I agree with it because it gives their own talent a platform to build upon. Yeah, definitely, and I think that's something. You know, when Connor talked about the sustainability of the league, that's definitely something that's very very important. You know. China's China's the state of Chinese football. It's it's not great at the minute because of that influx of of players that come into the country, but then, you know, left whenever those those financial rules were were implicated, and then. You know, you look at the MLS, there's a good crop of American talent coming through that realistically can keep the league going as well and keep their national team growing. I do agree with you, Warren. I do think that's a big reason as to why the, the U.S. men's national team is, is you know, as strong as what, as what it is, really. And, you know, I think Saudi Arabia could fall into the trap that, that, that China did, where when all these big players leave or, you know, call it a day, or are the players from their own country going to be as strong and unable to stand on their own two feet in, in that sense? I, I don't think so. I don't think so. But look, that'll do it for this episode anyway. That was our second transfer installment. As always, you can find us on the Parlay Sports app. That's P-R-L-Y Sports on the Apple App Store. Uh, at Bottom Bins Pod is our handle for Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Plenty of content going to be pumped up there in the next few weeks. And as always... Keep a bottom bend. Keep a bottom bend. Keep a bottom bend.